Praise God. Welcome you all to today's uh, session of the last chapter in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 22. I'm sure you all had a wonderful time listening to the wonderful praise and worship by our JCLM team, our youth, and God bless them abundantly for every time that they have sung and started the session with a wonderful praise and worship. So let's begin with a with a word of prayer. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for being with us in this entire journey of the book of Revelation. It's only you, O Master, who deserves all the glory and the honor. We thank you, God, for all the years that are listening to this teaching, that they are blessed, that it has fallen on fertile ground, and it brings forth a fruit of abundance in, in their life and in the life of all their loved ones. We surrender this entire hour of teaching into a loving care, guidance, and protection. We thank you, our Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Mama Mary, God and Angel, all angel and saints in heaven. We make this prayer in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. So we begin with the last chapter today, book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 1. I will be reading verse 1, 2, and 3, so that it's a... You know, in continuation, I'll explain to you in detail. So verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is a tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruits, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So if you look carefully into this, uh, into this verses one, two, 1 and 2, you will get to know that there are certain things which are of importance. One is the river of the water of life. And the second is the throne of God and of the Lamb. And the third is the tree of life. So these are the three things. One is the river of the water of life, the second is the throne, and the third is the tree of life. Now what is this river of the water of life? We read exactly in the previous chapter, that is Revelation 21 verse 6, we read, to the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. We also re read about the river in Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 in the Garden of Eden. And that is, uh, it, uh, it says about a river flows out of Eden to water the garden and from there it divides and becomes four branches. So that is a river is flowing out of Eden and that is watering the entire earth and it divides into four branches. That is uh, the four territories or four distributaries. They are the Pishon, Gihon, Tigris, and Euphrates River, the four rivers. Anyway, that's not of significance here, but we know that there's a river flowing out from the Garden of Eden. Now the scripture which is directly uh, explains this is in Ezekiel 
chapter 47, verse 1 to 12. I shall read it for you. Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. That is the water flowing from the temple. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Their water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me round on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And the water was coming out on the south side. Going on eastwards with a cord in his hands, the man measured 1,000 cubits and led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again he measured 1,000 and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again he measured 1,000 and led me through the water and it was up to the waist. Again he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, mortal, have you seen this? Then he led me back along the bank of the river. As I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on one side and on the other. He said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. And when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live and there will be very many fish. Once these waters reach there, it will become fresh and everything will live where the river goes. People will stand fishing beside the sea from Engedi to Eniglain. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will never, will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. On the banks on both sides of the river, they will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This is exactly, you know, very similar to what we have read over here that there is a river, that's the water of life, that begins, that is bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And this means that as the river is starting, the river is flowing, and as it is going, the river that is, you know, completely dead, there's no fish, there is no growth, everything is dead. Now the Dead Sea gets transformed and it becomes completely fertile. So there will be fish of every kind. Fish signifies, you know, uh, what did Jesus say, Peter, that you are catching fish. Now I'll make you fishes of men. So these are the fishes signifying the people who have now changed from being unbelievers to believers. So as the river is flowing, it is turning the entire nature of the river that is flowing through, which was dead, now comes to life. And uh, everything that is there bears fruit. And the tree which is by the bank of the river, there, there is trees which, you know, which will bear fruit every month. You know, we have trees which bear fruit only once a year. 
or max twice, max that is for some, but max it is just once a year. But here there will be fresh fruit every month because the water flows from the sanctuary. Means what is the origin of the water? It is the sanctuary or the temple or the throne room of God. And here the fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. And that is the same, it said over here, that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. So this is directly taken from Ezekiel 47, uh, chapter, you know, chapter 47, verse 1 to 14. So that's why I told number of times before that if we have to understand Revelation, we also need to understand the book of Daniel and the book of Ezekiel. It is, in, you know, the, the scriptures sometimes are so shocking that it's just like word to word it's mentioned before. So you can go back now or it could be like you couldn't understand Ezekiel before, but now because you have learned it from, you know, from Revelation, Ezekiel becomes easy. Daniel becomes easy to understand, you know. That, that's how it was for me. It was the other way around. Revelation made the other books easy for me to understand. So th this means exactly that, that this river, we have heard about, you know, the two kinds of river, uh, sorry, there is this uh, river which is flowing down from the, you know, coming down from uh, the Garden of Eden, which is, uh, you know, which later on, which gets polluted and now God is renewed, recreated, made this new Garden of Eden in uh, what you call say, which is the new city of Jerusalem. And from that, the throne room of God itself, this river is flowing out. And the quality of the river is that it is bright as crystal. It's sparkling bright. They're recommending the brightest of the brightest. And it is flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So that means it's flowing from the throne of God, the Father, and God the Son, that means Jesus Christ. So the throne of God the Father and God the Son. From there, it is flowing down. Now, what does this uh, mean? How do you connect the river of life? You know, to what does it signify? Now, this river of the water of life signifies uh, the Holy Spirit, the third person in the, um, in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So this you know, river of water of life is physically there and the symbolic significance of it is it represents the Holy Spirit. So there are many scriptures in the Bible which will connect the Holy Spirit to the river of life. I will just take one that is Isaiah 44.3. For I will pour water into the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. God says I will pour water, pouring water. And then he says I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessings upon your descendants. Again, the Holy Spirit is compared to something that you pour out, like it's just like water. He will pour the Holy Spirit upon your descendants and my blessings upon your descendants. So this is like the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us life, you know. When Nicodemus went to uh, Jesus and said like, you know, how is it possible? How am I going to be born again? And Jesus says, you know, you're to be born of the Spirit. And he, like childish, asks, it's impossible for me. Do you want me to go back to my mother's womb and to be born? And Jesus makes him understand that it is not being born again in, the, in, in, you know, in your body form, but it's being born again in the spirit. So if uh, we are only born of the water, it's not enough. We have to be the baptism. Water itself is not enough. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the third person of the 
uh, of the Trinity. And there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and flowing through the river is that river is the Holy Spirit. And it is a river, if you think now. Is there a, it's the Holy Spirit who brings about a change, who renews, who rekindles, who, you know, brings us closer to Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, we are practically powerless, nothing. In the beginning, you know, was the, you know, the, uh, it was the, everything was void. Everything was void. The first scripture, Genesis 1-1 says, you know, and Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. It was the Holy Spirit who does what, you know, you know, the Jesus, God the Father conceives and, you know, Jesus has a plan and the plan is executed by the Holy Spirit. He is the executor of the plan. So he is the one who hovers over. And then God spoke the word and there was day, there was night. And you know how all creation takes place throughout. The doer is the, you know, Holy Spirit. The executor of God, the Father and God, the Son's plan is the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to even know Father and the Son. You know, that's why Jesus, when he was leaving earth, he says, I'm going, but don't, uh, you know, uh, uh, don't panic. I'm going to send my spirit and he will bring you into all truth. So he is the one who reveals. So we receive the spirit in the Catholic Church, you know, in when we are baptized. All our uh, mortal sins from the time of our birth till that time are all wiped away. And then we get confirmation. We are confirmed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the Holy Sacrament of Confirmation. You know, so you are born of the Spirit. So this is so very important here. So the first, the river of the water of life is a physical river that is flowing which we have reference to in the Garden of Eden, and also there is reference to it of it in the book of Revelation, and this is flowing through the city. See, it is written over here. And how the river flows, it is flowing through the middle of the street of the city. So it is flowing right through the middle of the street of the city. And we read how the city looked like in uh, you know, the previous chapter, chapter 21, verse um, 21. And the 12 gates, are 12 pearls, each of the gates is a single pearl, and the street of the city is pure gold, transparent as glass. So this river is flowing through the city, and it is crystal clear, and it is this uh, city is also made up of pure gold, which is transparent as glass. And on either side of the river, both the sides of the river, is the tree of life. And this tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Okay. So on either sides of the, this river is a tree of life. Now, we read about two trees in the, in the book of Genesis. One is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of which you know Eve ate, being tempted by the serpent, and she gave it to Adam. Adam also ate, and they fell into sin. The other tree, which is of significance over there, is the tree of life, which we read in you know, Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. There the Lord said, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now this is after God has, you know, um, met up with Adam and Eve after they have fallen and then he banishes them from the Garden of Eden and they are going to walk away and then God is speaking and he says, see, now the man knows 
and suppose while he is walking away and he again feels like you know hungry or he plucks from this tree of life and he eats then he is going to remain in a sinful state forever because this is the tree of life anyone who eats its fruit will remain in the same state forever means if they are eating the fruit in a sinful state they would remain in a sinful state forever then there is no a story of redemption there is no story of salvation there is nothing that god could do to bring man back to him you know so what god does he puts a seraphim in charge of the tree of life so that man by when he is walking out of the garden of eden even by mistake either he or eve should not reach out and pluck from this tree of life so you got it that is the tree of life so but now in this new garden in this renewed garden in this you know uh, new jerusalem there is this tree of life and they say it is on either side of the river so probably the tree is so massive that you can see it on both the sides of the river it's a singular tree with you know uh, with the branches on either side of the river or it could be multiple trees i'm not so sure because but i have uh, read different commentaries and many of them say it's a single tree and some say there are multiple of them and the quality of this tree that it produces its fruit each month now like suppose if you have a mango tree it would produce its yield once a year or a guava tree maybe uh, or a pineapple you know plant or an apple tree you know it produces just once a year but here it is every single month and more beautiful it is every single month there is a new kind of fruit so this tree does not produce only apple or only guava or only mango or only chiku every month it would produce a new kind of fruit so that is like so 12 years in a month uh, 12 months in a year say so every month there is a new fruit for us to eat from it you know so this is amazing for all those who love fruits you're not going to be bored with just one kind of uh, fruit from this tree but you will be getting to choose okay this month i had apple probably next month i am going to have uh, you know mango or pomegranate or you know apricot or something else so it's beautiful and every time it is full of fruits you know and the leaves of the tree are uh, uh, the healing of the nation so the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nation it uh, it's a little significant here healing word means being made whole why because in genesis both adam and eve they were denied access to the tree of life and uh, thus because they were could not eat the fruit in the tree of life they experienced uh, spiritual death which happened instantly they died spiritually instantly the moment they kind of disobeyed god they were spiritually dead and then later on when they died physically they experienced a physical death so two kinds of death took place spiritual death and physical death because of disobedience you know so but here in the new jerusalem in this new heaven and new earth everybody could eat of the fruit from this tree of life because you are going to live you know the people who are enter who enter into this place are only the saved ones are those who are pure in heart who believe in the lord jesus christ and they can eat this fruit and live for eternity in heaven so i hope you understood i will go through this verse one 
and two again so that it's made clear. Then the angel showed me, that is the angel is showing John, the river of the water of life, which is a river which I explained to you, which is in the you know, Old Testament of Genesis, also in Revelation. And this river also is, uh, um, uh, symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And this river, which is bright as crystal, it flows from the throne of God and of the lamp through the middle of the street of the city. And on either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. Now, I told you what is this tree of life. I told you it's about, you know, the, the tree which is in Genesis and also about the tree of life in in, in, the new in, in, in the book of Revelation. And what is the significance of this tree of life? What does it symbolize? It symbolizes Jesus Christ. Now, why do you say tree symbolizes Jesus Christ? Because, you know, Jesus is the fruit of the womb of, uh, from the womb of Mother Mary. And uh, in a blessed, uh, you know, uh, Elizabeth, when she saw Mother Mary, she said, blessed are you. And blessed is the womb of the, you know, of your, uh, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And uh, this uh, Jesus now grows up and he dies where? Where is he hanged? He's hanged on a tree. That's a cross. And how did they make the cross? It is made out of a tree. And when he, you know, hung on the cross, he becomes the sin of the entire world. So every, he doesn't become a sinner. He becomes the sin. Like everybody's sin was nailed on the cross. And he takes the sin of the entire world. He pays the price for each and every one of us of what we have committed. And he stays obedient till the end. Till the endth moment, he does not disobey. The first Adam disobeyed God, but the last Adam, that is Jesus Christ, does not disobey God. He stays faithful to the very end. And when he dies on the cross, this everybody's curse, which was nailed on the cross, you know, is taken away by Jesus Christ. All our sins are nailed on the cross. And now the tree or the cross becomes the symbol of salvation. So this tree of life symbolically means Jesus Christ. So the river of life symbolically means the Holy Spirit and the tree of life symbolically means Jesus Christ. So verse three, nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. So nothing accursed will be, will be found there. So nothing that is cursed will be found there because Jesus has taken all the curse upon himself. And all those who have entered this, uh, you know, new Jerusalem or the, you know, or the new holy city, they are, you know, set free from the curse. That's what we read in Galatians 3.13. You know, that's what the verse says, that you are set free from the curse of the law. Jesus became the curse. So apart from, you know, anything was cursed at that point would be someone who did not believe in Jesus Christ, you know. So nothing that is cursed can enter into the city. Now, who are the residents of the city? There will be the, it will be the throne of God, and the throne of the Lamb, that is of Jesus Christ, will be in it. And his servants who will worship him. Who are his servants? Every one of us who believe in him. They are all his servants. And we, what is our duty? We are called to worship him. You know, there are more than 100 scriptures in the Bible which talk about human beings, you know, or, the, or his children doing praise and worship. 
more than 100, you can go read them. It's full, the Old Testament, the Psalms are full of how his people, you know, praise, worship, and thank God. I will just read one, Isaiah 43, 21. The people whom I formed for myself so that they may declare the, declare my praise. It is the people whom I formed for myself, is God the Father saying, I form for myself. They, so why did he form them? So that they may declare my praise. That is, so we are all called to worship God. So that is, you know, what would be our, what you would say, our primary calling is to praise God. And verse four, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Who are these, who is this they? They are all the people who are in this holy city. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Now Exodus 33 talks about Moses having such a desire to see God's face. And God replies in Exodus 33:20. he says, but you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. Means no one can see the face of God the Father and live. That's what God had said in the Old Testament, you know. But Moses' desire, you know, I want to see your face, God. So God makes little adjustment so that Moses could have a little uh, view of God. So what he says, I will, he puts, uh, God puts Moses in the cleft of a cave. There's a cave, there is a little depression. He puts Moses in the cleft of the cave. And as his glory, as he passes by, he, you know, covers Moses with his hand. So they can imagine there is a, you know, there's a cleft. Moses is in the cleft and God the Father is passing by and he covers Moses. And then God takes away his hand. So once he's crossing this cleft, God takes away his hand. And what Moses gets to see is the back of God. So he gets to see the back of God. His face he could not see. But now in this new you know, New Jerusalem, it's not like that. Everybody who saved, who saved will see the face of God. You know, we can't even uh, fathom the depth of the scripture. It's like, suppose a man who's marooned in an island, all alone by himself, and you know, days go by, and weeks go by, and months go by, and he's just surviving, and praying, and hoping that a ship would come that way, and you know, somebody would rescue him. And after years, when he's literally, probably, you know, in his last uh, stages, or he's thinking, I can't take it one more day, this is the end, and then you know, just have miraculously, a ship comes in, and there, uh, you know, a man comes down from the ship and uh, he sees the face of this man and imagine the joy of that man. That, you know, he has been rescued. He has been saved. This joy of seeing God would be, you know, something far beyond what that man would have experienced in his nth moment. This would be, you know, something like probably would sink in at, for people at that time that now I'm seeing God, you know, it'll probably sink in so that I'm going to live for eternity in heaven, you know. Now he knows for sure, like it's like stamped. Now I have seen God's face and I'm alive, so I'm going to live in heaven forever. That will be the moment of truth, you know, moment of, uh, of joy inexplainable, you know. It is uh, what you call euphoric moment, you know, the ultimate high that you a person could get being face to face with God the Father. It's the 
it's the probably the deepest desire of uh, you know uh, of every human being that he would come face to face with his maker with the god you know from whom he has been separated whom he has never seen so it will be a time of total bliss and his name will be on their forehead whose name the name of god the father this is we have read in the book of revelation before you know that's what uh, god's uh, you know has uh, uh, sealed his people on the forehead and on the wrist and uh, the same thing the devil also does he also seals his people or rather forces them to put uh, the devil's seal on the on the forehead and on the wrist so same thing but god has seal his people so you know we'll have the name of god the father god the son and the holy spirit we'll be having it on our forehead saying that we belong to him so verse five and there will be no more night they need no light of lamp or sun for the lord god will be their light and they will reign forever and ever it's pretty simple we read it before that everything is going to disappear the heavens are going to disappear the seas are going to disappear everything is going to disappear so in this place there is going to be absolutely no no light we we saw uh, that in you know uh, uh, revelation 21 was 23 and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of god is its light and its lamp is the lamp so the lamp that is christ is the lamp because that is the jesus is the light of the world so at that particular point of time there is no need for any artificial light to give us light we will never be in darkness there is no going to be this uh, is not going to be night at all in heaven it's going to be 24 bar 7 it's going to be bright light and that light is not shown from any artificial source but god the sun is the light of this particular place this heaven and uh, they will reign forever and ever so that this is for eternity once you reach heaven it is for eternity and they will be reigning they will be reigning with god the son forever and ever and he said to me these words are trustworthy and true for the lord the god of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place so angel is saying to john that what the god the father has said is trustworthy and true and has sent this angel to show his servants that's all of us what must soon take place so whatever has been said is trustworthy and true you don't need to doubt anything that is written in this book and verse 7 he says see i'm coming soon that is saying jesus is saying coming soon blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book so everyone who's reading this book is blessed it's so amazing so you are right right now listening to the, um, the to this book of revelation you are already blessed that's a blessing is an amazing blessing and then so oh, we read in you know in the starting of the first when we started the book of revelation chapter you know revelation chapter 1 verse 3 he said blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near so you know he started the book of revelation saying that anyone who's going to read this book is already blessed you know that's such an amazing blessing giving you know that you're already blessed because you're reading this book but many people don't want to read the book and they think the book is you know is too complicated to uh, too too many symbolisms and i can't understand it is difficult you know and it is not everybody's favorite book 
definitely the book of revelation if you if you take a survey of people which is the favorite book in the book in the bible i am sure very small percentage of population would say the book of revelation i don't think so so it's not one of favorite anybody's favorite book in the bible but you know the just by reading this book you know god says you are blessed jesus says you are blessed and he says you need to read aloud so when you're reading the book of revelation next time read it aloud there is a reason because when you read it aloud you're speaking aloud you hear the words and when you hear the words the words there is uh, you know greater chances of the word taking root and great, getting greater understanding to it and you don't get distracted and then you hear what is and then you keep it so you don't read it and you know uh, you know forget about it but then you cherish those words in your heart you try to understand it you meditate upon it and because the main reason is because end times are near so that's so wonderful so uh, verse 7 is i'm coming soon so jesus is coming soon that is like you know everybody knows the end times but no one knows when it's going to happen is only god the father knows and it will be revealed at a particular time so nobody knows that's not our duty to know the time and the date it's not we should be prepared every single moment of our life we should be always prepared to meet our maker so jesus is coming soon and blessed is one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book amen so we come to verse uh, from 8 to 21 and it is called epilog and benediction now what is the meaning of the word epilog epilog means it's a speech at the end of the book that comments or is a conclusion of what has happened i will read again what do you mean by the word epilog it's a speech at the end of the book so we are at the end of book of revelation there's a small speech and it comments or is a conclusion of what has happened means whatever has happened this is the end in other words the meaning of the book's title is revealed in the epilog so what is the book's title is the book of revelation so that is revealed here in the epilog so this entire what the whole book is about it is revealed in this last few verses and what is benediction benediction is a utterance of blessing it's a final blessing that will be given so we are coming to that part now and verse 8 says i john am the one who heard and saw these things now it's like everything is done god has said that you know you're blessed that is the holy city you have the tree of uh, the tree of life uh, you have the river of life you have the throne room you have the city which is so beautiful which is so bright and nothing which is cursed will enter the city and he says you're going to be there with god the father god the son god the holy spirit you will be worshiping god there is no night it is fully bright because jesus is there who is the lamp of the world all that he comes and then he says now okay john is saying i john i'm the one who heard and saw these things so he's declaring all that you've read in the book of revelation he's saying that i heard it and i saw it and when i heard and saw them i fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me so you know this exactly same is in revelation 19 verse 10 same thing you know you know john does was 19 was uh, chapter 19 verse 10 and he says then i fell down at his feet to worship him but he said to me you must not do so i am a fellow servant with you and your comrades who hold the testimony of jesus worship god 
for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it's like almost the same, same verse, you know, chapter 19, verse 10 and 22, verse 8. He says that, he, you know, John hears this and he's so taken up by what he sees and what he hears, he falls down to worship. Now, I have taught you before that there are two kinds of worship. One is latria and one is dulia. Latria is given only to God, the worship that you worship, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is a latria kind of worship. And there's a dulia kind of worship where you give reverence or honor to earthly or heavenly being. So probably, you know, John is doing the second kind of worship, the dulia kind of worship, because John knows that you do not worship angels. He knows that. So this is probably speaking about a dulia kind of reference to an angel, but he's admonished by that angel and he says, in verse nine, verse nine, he says, but he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your comrades, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. So he's saying, you don't need to, you know, worship me. You don't need to give me any kind of reverence. I am in power with you. We are like comrades. What do you mean by comrades? Like the people go to battle, the, you know, the, the army people, they're all called as comrades. They are going there. They are brothers. And they're brothers in the battle. They're brothers in, in that particular thing. So all of us who belong to Christ, we're all comrades. We are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So the angel is telling to, you know, John, that I'm not a bigger human being or I'm not God, that you need to worship me. You need to only worship God. You know, you don't have to worship anything else. And verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. He says, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. When you mean by sealing up means when you seal something, like, like, like a letter or a postcard, you want to send it to someone by post. So what do you do? Do you, you put the letter inside the envelope and then you seal it. Why do you seal it? So that you know nobody else gets to open and read it and it reaches the person that you want it intended to reach and they are able to open up and they remove the seal and read your letter or your card or gift or anything like that. So you seal it, basically seal it so that it does not, you know, it's not visible uh, to people who are not supposed to see it. This, uh, here God is telling do not seal it. Means, he says he does not wa want people to not know about the book, but it is exactly opposite. He says he wants everybody to know about this book and this is exactly opposite of what is spoken in Daniel. You know, there also Daniel gets a vision. It's about the resurrection of the dead. And I will read to you. It is Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. One to four. It's the resurrection of the, uh, of the dead in the book of Daniel. At the time, Michael, the great prince, the protector of your people, shall arise. There shall be a time of anguish, such as has never occurred since nations first came into existence. But at that time, your people shall be delivered everyone who's found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep the words secret and the book sealed until the time of the end, 
Many shall be running back and forth and evil shall increase. So about the end of times, you know, the Daniel is given the vision, but at the end, you know, it's the same thing. The graves are opening, people are rising up, and those who did good, they'll go to the resurrection of life, and those who did evil will go to the res, you know, to condemnation into the into the outer, you know, uh, darkness where there is the hell with this burning with fire and sulfur. So it is the same thing, but here. Daniel has shown the vision, but he said that you keep the word secret and seal the book. Seal the book until the end of the, until the time of the end. Now is the time. Now Jesus is telling John, you know, don't seal it. Let everybody read it. So it is the deepest desire of 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 God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that each of us should know about this book. We have to know about how it is uh, you know, at the end of times. Ignorance is not bliss over here. It'll be stupidity, it'll be, it'll be a folly for people who do not want to understand this book and to read it and to guard it and keep it, to meditate it upon it because the, the result of this is for eternity, either good or evil. So it's of paramount importance that everybody reads this book. That's why, you know, in the last it says that, you know, do not seal up. So don't write the book and seal it up and keep, but write it and publish it and declare it. Let it reach to the ends of the world. And then he says this verse 11, which is a little tricky. Let the evil doer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. You know, you take this in the context of, uh, if you take it directly, maybe, uh, what do you mean by this? The evildoer continues to be evil, the filthy is still filthy, the righteous will continue to do right, and the holy still be holy. Like, what do you mean by it, Lord? So if you take this in the context of death and end times, it's very simple. This is a warning. The simple warning. Unbelievers who reject the gospel will not get a chance to be saved. In other words, it's put like that, that a person who dies in an unsaved state will be unsaved throughout eternity. I'll repeat again. A person who dies in an unsaved state means he died either by not believing in Christ or rejecting Christ. He will remain unsaved throughout eternity. The opposite is also true. The saved people will be saved throughout eternity. Therefore, you know, in the Hebrew 13, 3.15 says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. God is standing and knocking at every person's heart. He's knocking and he's telling, let me come in. He's doing his part. He's standing and he's knocking. He's standing and he's knocking. It's a very active word. It's not like he does once and then he forgets all about it and then after 15 years, he comes back to knock again at the, at the door of your heart. He's knocking continuously. There will be people who will come in your life. There will be things that will happen in your life and God is trying to get your attention. 
because he knows that he needs to get your attention, that you need to believe that he is the son of God, that he came down to this earth, he died this painful death so that you could live forever in heaven. You know, it is of so much of um, importance for him that not even one soul goes to that pit, you know, that not uh, bottomless pit, but to that hell. He doesn't want anyone to go there. Even that uh, sinner at the nth moment who confesses, Lord, my God, you know, God will not condemn him to an eternal death. And how will that sinner know unless someone goes and proclaims the gospel, unless someone speaks to them about this Jesus Christ? And how will you know it is of paramount importance if you do not believe in the gospel, if you do not believe in the book of Revelation? It's just not a religion. It is the way of life. It's just not one of the religions that, then, that is chosen. Maybe, maybe you're born in the Christian faith. You were, you know, you were born by, in a Catholic faith. You were given all the sacraments. Is that all enough? No, it's not enough. You need to have this personal relationship with Christ by believing in him. It's not the religion that you believe in. You believe in him. It's something much more than the religion. Religion is important, but this relationship is something much more than that. And that is important for our eternity. It's not only dying and going down into the grave, six feet down, and where the worms will eat up and we are gone and over our stories ended. No, it does not end there. There is a resurrection. There is a, you know, living forever. There is this heaven, this new Jerusalem. And how will people come to know about it if you do not speak about it? If you do not speak the truth which is written in this book of Revelation, it's your duty and mine that this be declared to the ends of the nations. That's why Jesus is so, you know, so, so very importantly, he's saying that, you know, Jesus is coming and it is soon. And I'm not saying in this book, let the truth be known to all. He did not specifically mean that, you know, let it be known only to the Christians. Did he say it? Let it be sealed for the rest of the people. Let them be blinded to it. No, he said this is to be kept open so that everyone who comes and listens to this will be saved. You know, suppose sometime in their lifetime, people just believed in Christ and said, you know, God, Jesus, you are my God. You are my, you know, you are my Lord God and Savior. Even once in their lifetime, they say, when they come to stand in judgment, you know, they will be saved. They will be a punishment for what they did wrong, but at least they will not go into eternity. So isn't it your duty and mine that, you know, we know the truth and we speak the truth. We live the truth first. We speak the truth. Maybe we do not go on the rooftop with the banner and say, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Maybe some are called to do that. Like John the Baptist did that. Repent. Turn away, brood of vipers. He was blatant in his uh, in his speech. He had no words. He you know he didn't uh, uh, honey coat his words. He just spoke it as he spoke it. Maybe we do not have the uh, the guts that John the Baptist have had, but it's okay. At least what we know, we can live with that. We can pray for those people who are coming alive. You know, all the people who do not know oh, Jesus, the true God and Savior, we can pray for them. That's the least that we could do. Put them in our prayers every day. Thank you, Lord, that so-and-so was saved. Thank you, Lord, they come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you, Lord, that you are giving me the courage to speak the word when the time is right. Everybody's life, some time will come when they'll, you know, they will require prayer and nobody denies, no, don't pray for me. 
you go to the person in a hospital or anyone is in the deathbed and says, shall I pray for you? There will be not a single person who will say, no, don't pray for me. At that nth moment, they know that somebody's prayer could change the outcome of their time now. So do it now. Why wait for the nth moment? Do it now. Pray for all the people God has placed in your life. It is our duty, and God is telling that we need to do it, everyone who believes in him. And verse 12 says that, see, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. So Jesus is coming soon, and he's bringing with him his reward. You know, your birthday, and you know, you're just waiting for your dad to come home. You know, dad is going to buy a gift, and he's going to come. Imagine the joy of that child. It's so, oh, you know, what's so restless, and just waiting for the time when papa will come and knock on the door. And then he says, hey, happy birthday to you. And he gives that gift. You know, the child is just beyond himself, is jumping up and down, is ready to tear. And look what the present is. In the same way, when Jesus is coming, he is also bringing his reward. And what is that reward? To repay according to everyone's work. To repay according to everyone's work. Now, Protestants don't believe in any of these but it's written in the scripture, so we have to teach. Now, what do you mean by the word work? We know that Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says that we're already saved by grace through faith. So that you know, we are all saved by grace. That's God's unmerited favor through our faith in Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is this reward that we're talking about in heaven? Go to Matthew 25, 33. This is when the son uh, of uh, man, that is the Jesus Christ, comes in glory and it's a time of uh, judgment. All the nations are gathered before him and he separates the sheep from the goat. He puts the sheep at his right hand and the goat at the left. And then the king will say to, the, to those at his right hand, that is the sheep, he will say, come, you that are blessed by my father. So who's saying? Jesus is saying, come that you were blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it for me. Then he will look to those at the left hand, that is the goats. You that are accursed, you know, these are the cursed one. Depart from me in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, you know this verse. Many, most of you know verse by heart. So what are these works? These are feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothe the naked, take care of the sick, visit the prisoner, welcome the stranger. These are the works of, uh, you know, that is going to separate the sheep and the goat, the people who are, you know, going to eternal kingdom and those who are condemned to uh, life forever. And this is in different degrees. Not everybody is doing, uh, you know, uh, the same reward. So those who are, you know, uh, who spend their entire life, you know, taking care of the poor, the naked, the prisoner, for them the reward will be greater. 
compared to someone who just drops in probably a few pennies or you know or hundreds of notes or thousands of notes into the into the dumb box in the church so the rewards will vary you know so th this is now jesus is you know everything that he says he says even uh, one uh, glass of water if you gave to one of my people your reward is there in heaven you know, what the reward that god is speaking about here here is the time jesus says now i'm coming back with my rewards and he says i will repay according to everyone's work so works are crucial don't just say that okay i believe in christ and that's it I'm not going to do anything else. You see a leper, you see a poor person, your heart does not melt, then your reward will be accordingly very minimal. So all of us are called because Jesus worked. He went to the earth. He, you know, healed the, uh, the sick. He, you know, gave hearing to those uh, who were deaf. He opened the tongues of those who could not speak, the dumb, everything he did. So we are also called you know to give water to feed to take care of the poor in the society it's our duty it's by grace through faith that we are saved but it is through works that we will be rewarded so remember that verse 13 says i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end we read this exactly same scripture in revelation 1 8 and revelation 21 6 last time also explained to you alpha is the first letter in the greek you know the first letter in the greek alphabet and omega is the last so it's he's the first he's the last the beginning and the end and verse 14 blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gate city by the gates so blessed are those who wash their robes this means you know their robes have been dipped in the blood of jesus christ so they have been washed in the precious blood of jesus christ so jesus christ has redeemed them and given them the gift of salvation and they will have these people will have the right to enter the city by the gates now where did you hear about uh, the gate we you know jesus when he is talking in the book of john he gives a lot of things i am the gate and that is chapter john 10 9 he says i am the gate who enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture so this is that he's saying i am the gate so here also what is he saying you know you may enter the city by the gate so you're going to enter just the only reason that you're able to enter the city is because you believe in Jesus Christ. So you enter by the gates. Verse 10, 10 goes on, John 10, 10, you know, the very famous scripture which everybody says is the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I come that I may have life and have it abundantly. And verse 15 says outside. So those who believe in Christ enter through the gate, that is enter because of Jesus, they enter into the city and outside. So there is a place who are outside who are not allowed entrance in. They are the dogs, the sorcerers, the fornicators, the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I did speak about it in the last uh, chapter 21 also, but here there's a word come, which comes as dogs. Now, what is this dogs? What do you mean by dogs? Does it, is it the dog that your puppy that you have in your house? No, dog is basically was an insulting term that the Jews used for the Gentiles. And basically because in the first century, the packs of wild dogs, you know, they roamed through the city and they scavenged upon trash and dead bodies, you know. And also the book of Leviticus talks about dogs and compares it to the sodomizers. That is the people who practice sodomy. So uh, dogs is not the dogs, the animal dog is that the, it's being spoken about here. It is spoken here the dog 
as the book of Leviticus says, it is talking about those who practice sodomy. Now, what are the sorcerers? Sorcerers are those who practice uh, black magic with emphasis on drugs and potions. Not portions, it is portions, P-O-T-I-O-N-S. Fornicators are these, you know, those who have unnatural sex or premarital sex. You have murderers uh, who snuff out people's life. Then you have idolaters. Idolaters are who worship, you know, false gods, you know, who worship uh, objects, who worship even human beings. And even, you know, the worship of money or power is also called as uh, idol worship. And everyone who practices falsehood. So the above is not an exhaustive list, but it, it means that everyone who, you know, uh, who has rejected Christ and is, and is persistent in doing evil, refuses to change, will be thrown into the outer darkness. Verse 16, it is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. So now Jesus is saying, it's me. And I have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches, whose angel here signifies it's a, it's a person, a man or a woman, who is now come and who is now preaching and teaching in the churches. And they are giving the testimony of Jesus Christ. They're not talking about themselves, but they're giving the testimony of Jesus. Like we read before that how he went to the uh, different churches, you know, the church of Ephesus, Pergamon and everything. We read that in the starting. So he went to the seven churches and spoke. So now the sent my angel. So angel is not going to come down from heaven like, you know, with the, the wings and stand in the altar and preach. So here angel is uh, in uh, equated to a human being, a person, a man or a woman who will come and who will share the truth which is written in this book of Revelation. And Jesus is saying that I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. What do you mean by the bright morning star? Is uh, The first uh, bright star that you see in the morning also signifies the first fruit of the resurrection. So Jesus is the first fruit of resurrection, like he died and he was born again. The first fruit of resurrection is Jesus is talking about Jesus Christ. And verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come and let everyone who hears say, come and let everyone who's thirsty, come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. This is like, you know, the whole spirit is the Holy Spirit. Who's the bride? You know, the bridegroom is Christ. But who's the bride? Bride is the believers or the people who make up the body of the church or make up the body of Christ at each of us. And so they are saying, so both the spirit and the people who believe are saying to people, come. And everyone who hears, they say, come. So anyone who's going to listen to the spirit and the bride, to listen to the promptings of the, of the Holy Spirit, as well as to people who believe in Christ, they're talking to somebody, they say, come. And everyone who's thirsty, let everyone who's thirsty for God's word come. And let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. So this gift of eternity is a free gift. There is no price to be paid. There is no price for your salvation. You don't, know to, don't need to go and give one lakh to the pastor or the priest to get saved. There is no price tank. It's a free gift, free for all. The only condition attached is you need to believe in Jesus Christ. We come to the almost end of this uh, chapter of Revelation, chapter 18. And I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, 
God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. This is, you know, the first one I took on the book of Revelation. There is a blessing that you're reading this book, you're blessed. But there is also a warning. Means you cannot twist, turn, add even a dot or a comma or anything. Do anything to this book at all. You cannot change it at all. However great a person he or she can be or he could be, Nobody has the authority to change anything in it because if they do, then God will add to that person every plague that is mentioned in this book. Man, this is like a, uh, the warning of warnings. So don't even attempt, don't even try. If you want to teach this book, you need first the Holy Spirit and teach only what the Holy Spirit teaches you. There's a lot that has to be sat down and to be, you know, at the feet of the Lord and to read this book, to understand and to teach it just the way that the Holy Spirit. You have no authority to add even an A or a B or a C or a Z, nothing. It is nothing of yours. It's everything of God. Every single word has to be from the Lord. And if anyone adds even a single word, God is going to add every plague that is mentioned in this book and that's crazy. That's crazy. So you cannot take this book lightly. You cannot just you know, joke about it. You cannot make fun about it or you know twist and turn things according to your fancy or according to your kind of audience who's going to listen to you and make it easy for some or make it hard for some. You have no authority. You teach it as it is, as the Holy Spirit has taught it. Because God says, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city. So God says, if you're going to take away, you're going to remove even a single word, he is going to take away, that person means, that person will not be allowed to enter into the heaven. It's so simple. It's so simple. My God. It's simple, but it is heavy. You know, it's really heavy. It's a deep warning to everyone. Don't preach according to your own whims and fancies. You need to preach according to the word of God as taught by the Holy Spirit himself. Praise God. So verse 20, the one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. So who's putting this testifying? Who's putting that stamp? Jesus himself is you know, testifying to this. This is the testimony of Jesus Christ. As the book of Revelation is not the revealing of the of uh, the number 666 or who is the great war or the beast or the false prophet. No, it was not about all of them. It is the testimony of Jesus Christ, of revelation of Jesus Christ as Jesus coming back in his glory. I spoke about that in the, you know, the uh, chapter one itself. And so here he's saying, who is testifying? This is the testi testimony of whom? It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, surely I am coming soon. Amen. And people say, come, Lord Jesus. So Jesus says, amen. And people are, it's our response. Come, Lord Jesus. And the final benediction is, you know, that is the, you know, the blessing that is given as verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. And so the last one is such a beautiful thing. He says, the grace of Lord Jesus. You know, that grace means unmerited favor. I don't deserve it. Maybe all the sins that I have committed, I deserve to be punished and deserved to be, you know, uh, pay the price. But God has just miraculously, you know, in a 
uh, I, you know, just washed away all my sins. He, he, you know, is the same scene, like, you know, uh, where God the Father is standing and you are standing for judgment and, you know, the devil is continuously, you know, telling that, oh, oh, he's done this and she has done this and this is wrong, this is wrong, reading out all the sins that you have committed right from birth till the time of your death. And according to all of that, rightfully, you should go into the lake of fire and then at that tenth moment when God is going to pronounce his judgment, Jesus Christ comes and says, I paid it all. I paid it all. And there you see his hands, you see his body with the nails that was pierced on him. He stands in front of you and God looks at his son and God says, not guilty. I hope you understood. So the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. And what is the saint? I taught it long back that the primary calling of every Christian is to become a saint. And we have a secondary and tertiary callings. It's like, you know, I become a, I, I'm a doctor or, you know, someone is a lawyer or someone is a teacher or someone is a baker, whatever, you know, the tertiary callings like married, unmarried or whatever. So that's a different calling. But the primary basic calling of every Christian is to become a saint. And this is this blessing that God is giving. He says that the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. God's grace be upon every believer who believes in Jesus Christ. And he ends with the word, Amen. Amen. So we come to the end of the book of Revelation. It's, I don't know, I am, you know, I was just waiting for this day to come and I would finish this book of Revelation. But uh, today, it's a great joy that ultimately it's done. It is, uh, you know, two years period. And so many things happen in this two years. Many good things, many sad things. But I just tell you, it's just God's grace that I could, you know, come to the end of the book of Revelation. And I need to thank God. Without him, probably I would have never even taken, uh, even to start teaching this book of Revelation. It was not from me. I have never picked up a chapter or a topic to preach or to teach. It is always God who, you know, you know, gives the the topic and uh, what I'm supposed to preach, and it's just a gift from God. And then when He put in my heart to teach on the Book of Revelation, it took me a couple of months to even sit down. And you know, even when I started, I never knew what I was in for. And so it has taken me in through this long journey, and today it's done. It's a great sense of relief and also, uh, you know, relief by because, you know, during this course of my teaching, there were a lot, lot of gaps in between. And in during those gaps, you know, I had a lot of people who, you know, came said, you know, Dr. Please, uh, you know, can you finish this book? Because they have started uh, teaching on the book of Revelation and they are stuck because, you know, they have come up to chapter six or chapter seven or eight or 10. And, you know, they do not know what to do again next because I haven't taught those chapters. But uh, the circumstances that took place in my life, you know, I'm so sorry that it took me two years to finish this, but it's done and it is done with. Now I'm just praying that each of you take up and read it. It's all available on YouTube. So please go back, sit, start from Revelation 1 again, start, go through it slowly. You can pause, you can read, you can rewind. If you, you know, have any doubts, any lack of understanding, sit with the Holy Spirit, He will explain it to you. That's what I did. So many times it was so confusing, I wouldn't understand. I went through so many commentaries and then I would say, Lord, I can't, you know. It's so difficult, Lord, you know, I'm not able to. Just please make it easy for me. 
and then uh, i would go to sleep and when i get up in the morning it would be like just like that everything would be so crystal clear i would understand it so because as a lord only if i understand could i you know preach it make it simple you know so this revelation uh, which is made simple for me to understand so that it be simple for all the listeners you know so i believe that this book is going to be a great blessing it may not be your favorite book in the bible but try to make it the you know the book that you need to read and please uh, only don't read it once and leave it but read it again and again and also read the book of you know daniel and ezekiel too so now after reading the book of revelation you understood this you go back to daniel and ezekiel it will become very simple for you to understand because this is not a, this is not sealed the god has kept it open amen i you know thank and bless richard i thank and bless kiran for all their work through this two years these guys have stood by me in you know in tough times and rainy days they have picked me up they dropped me you know they have been with me and say auntie we are there we'll record it any time you know god bless these children abundantly and the entire jclm family thanks to each of you god bless so can we just end with a prayer our father we thank you and praise you god for your good mercy and love and yours forever thank you jesus for using me to teach this book of revelation and for bringing it to a fruitful completion master thank you god i believe by faith that every seed has fallen on the dark ground and is bringing forth a harvest in multitude for you that your kingdom is growing here on earth and not one is lost but everybody is saved and enters into the kingdom that you have prepared for them the new jerusalem that is going to come down from heaven our master We thank you, our Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Mama Mary. We thank you, God and Angel, all the angels and saints in heaven. We make this prayer in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.